this is the third evening for reflection. And as a retreat, yeah, just observe the results so far, the three days. Be aware it's like this. You don't have to describe it or judge it, but just notice that you're feeling calm or not, or confused, or content, or discontented. It's like this. So what is it that, that is aware? what you're feeling, the mood that you're experiencing at this very moment. What is it that, that can observe, can know that it's like this? Because each one of you sitting here in this temple, I mean, that's some kind of <coughs> mood or emotion, result of the day's meditation. Life here in Amaravati is like this. So in the Thai forest tradition, the <coughs> thing that that Lumpur Chow's helped me with was they use the mantra Bhutto, uh, the name of the Buddha, and translated as the, the one that knows, the one that who knows. So this is knowing, isn't it? Consciousness knowing a sankhara, the mood feeling quality that, that you individually are observing at this time is like this. When you start to describe it as, you know, you're trying to think of, it's my mood and it's good or peaceful or not, then you start, you're no longer observing, you're, you're judging, you're criticizing, you're complimenting, you're adding to it, it's called conceptual proliferation. And so we, we lose that Satya <coughs> when we start thinking about it, about what it's like. It's like this is not a description, is it? It's not a statement of its quality. It's just a, a helpful suggestion to observe. Because most of our moves we can't really describe. You know, feeling is, is, is uh, you know, we have words like, I feel happy or sad or angry or upset or worried. These are words, but, they, but the mood, the arrow, the aramana, isn't confined to just one word. And when we tend to, to want to define everything, it, and fix everything with, with some definition or some concept. 
then we have mind. We tend to to see everything in the habitual patterns of me and mine, good and bad, right and wrong. So Bhutto is a is like a mantra or a helpful suggestion, the knowing. And when we take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, and this is part of the Theravada Pali tradition, Bhutang Saranangachami, Dhammang Saranangachami, Sankang Saranangachami, it's like take refuge in the Buddha and the Dhamma the Sangha. That's on the ceremonial level when you take the three refuges. But is it just ceremony? Is it just <coughs> Theravada ceremony? That's no other than just something you do when you sit in meditation. Or what is inquiring into what is Bhutto? What is Buddha? Bhutangsarangachami at this moment? Is it, it can be just empty words, poly phrases that you may not fully comprehend. Or Buddha, knowing, because this is knowing, that mindfulness, Satisamachanya, is consciously knowing. It's like this. So in the reflection on the Four Noble Truths, suffering, there is suffering, there is the origin of suffering. So this is an origin, a beginning. Usually we don't notice the beginning of suffering. We notice when suffering has already arisen and then we tend to react to it, try to distract ourselves from it or get rid of it. But as the First Noble Truth points out, there is suffering, so there is dukkha. So when you try to figure out how it arises, how it arises, you don't need to know how or why. But whatever you're feeling at this time, is it is it suffering? Is it pleasant? Is it something that you enjoy? Or is it just what it is? It's like this. And then moods, aromanas, or emotion, emotional feeling. It's impermanent, it's sankara. So as we we accept the suffering, we understand it, we we let go of the, the causes of suffering, the desire. So the third the second noble truth is about letting go of sankaras, 
not clinging to them. Because we become aware that that's the cause of suffering. And when you when you have that insight into the cause of suffering, you don't need to suffer. If you, if you don't know the cause of suffering, then we're, we're suffering creatures. We create suffering. But when we let go, then we can see that whatever mood, state of mind you're observing with Buddha, knowing, if you accept it for what it is, welcome it, allow it to be what it is, let go of it, then you are aware of its cessation. That's the third noble truth, suffering neurona, the cessation of suffering. So mindfulness, Satisampatanya, has its continuum, it's a continuity, it's not something that just <coughs> we create, we don't create mindfulness. We don't create Satisampatanya, mindfulness or intuitive awareness. It's not created out of ignorance, out of, out of some kind of opinion that we should, should be mindful. It's the reality of mindfulness and suffering ceases. And the awareness is aware of its presence and its absence. As we begin to cultivate this mindfulness, trust it, surrender to it, then we can even be aware of the arising of suffering. We start worrying or start thinking or trying to get something we don't have or get rid of states that we don't want. We can be aware of the, the arising, the presence, and the cessation. And that's Uto, that's knowing, that's Buddha or Bhutansarnangachami. So the end of suffering, you can't describe, but you can know. You can describe suffering, as you know it. You know, we have all vocabulary to describe the different levels of misery, suffering, grief, despair, and anguish, lamentation, anxiety, worry. But they're just words. They're, they're sankharas. They don't feel anything. They're, but when we grasp the definitions of things, grasp the, the, the doctrines themselves, the teaching themselves, then we can't see beyond what we're grasping. And so the Bhattibhata, or the second aspect, is to, is to cultivate, develop, Make, make it clear the absence of suffering 
the presence, the arising, the presence, the absence, the sensation of suffering, the absence of suffering, like this. And you don't have to think in this way. This is an attempt to explain it, but it's just the intelligence, universal intelligence, consciousness itself, which discerns the presence and the absence. So the Nirvana Satya, the Third Noble Truth, is, is uh, that's where Samaditi arrives, which leads to the Fourth Noble Truth. Or the Matima Patipata, the Eightfold Path, or the way of non suffering. So, all this is about here and now, Pachubana Dhamma, about the way it is. And the refuge then is in, in Uto, awareness. Intuitive awareness knows Dhamma, awakens to Dhamma, or no, Bhutto doesn't awaken, it is awakeness itself, it's knowing. And by developing this, cultivating this way, you begin to, to see through a lot of your delusions. The obstructions, the fetters that, that block the path, and we can't see the path of non-suffering because we're still caught in the power of delusion. So we might have good delusions, you know, all good intentions, righteous delusions, but there's still creations that we create out of avijja, out of ignorance, not understanding them. The, the Dhamma, not, not having awakened to reality. Yeah. It's like Satisampajanya then is, is, it's not a creative state. Can you know try to be mindful? And there are very humorous attempts that you know from my own experience of trying to be mindful in the early years at at Wapakom. I remember trying desperately to be mindful, putting on the robe, mindful of the alms bowl, mindful while walking on Bindabad. The idea of being mindful, but it's coming from uh, I've, I've come to develop and cultivate mindfulness. What is that? That I'm someone that isn't mindful, I've come to be mindful. It's still creative thinking, isn't it? It's thinking. You create the self view, and that blinds you to the reality of here and now. So one morning you start. In, uh, 
it looked like it was going to rain. And I had to walk three kilometers on Vindabad and back, about six kilometers. And so I took an umbrella. By the time I got to the village, it wasn't raining anymore. So I, I put the umbrella by a fence post at the entrance to the village. Very mindful, I marked the fence post and the umbrella, being very, uh, you know, reflective, knowing where it is. <laughs> and then I went on Rindabar to the village, walked back to Batapong, and then realized I forgot the umbrella. <laughs> so I had to walk three kilometers back. <laughs> And then three kilometers back to Wapakong. <laughs> now I was being pretty proud of the Bindabad. I thought I was being very mindful, walking my eyes down, receiving the food, doing everything according to the Vinaya, uh, the forest, the Thai forest tradition. I was even, you know, congratulating myself on how well I was doing. <laughs> Only to, to get back to Wonderful and realize I forgot. <laughs> so those are attempts at mindfulness that we all name. And the important thing of what I'm saying is, is before it was still coming from me and the sense of I must be mindful. And uh, that very delusion, that delusion, I must, I should be mindful, is it's a kind of truism. It's right. You know, one should be mindful, everybody should be mindful. <laughs> but it's still, you know, the grasping of that view still creates a sense of, of me as a person, as a separate person, doing something to be mindful, which creates lack of mindfulness, because one is taught in operating from avicca, from uh, a sense of a self doing something, getting something, attaining something, or losing something, or forgetting something. So on the way back, trying to rescue the umbrella, I lost the mindfulness by the I'm not being, I lost it, I'm not mindful and disappointing, <laughs> criticizing myself for, for forgetting the umbrella. <coughs> but it left a strong impression, you know, of, of, uh, and in many uh, stories, uh, and experiences that I remember in early life, early training periods at Watapong were similar to that. You know, the sense of, I must meditate, I must get samadhi, I've got to get rid of these defilements. What is this that has to get, then get something? What is it 
that feels it has to get something that it doesn't have, and get rid of heedlessness, anger, greed, delusion. What is that? And so, you know, it's, it's the, the self-view, sakyatiti. It's the second noble truth, it's the, I've got to get something like samadhi, or I've got to get mindfulness, I should be, I'm not mindful enough, my samadhi isn't good enough. What is all that? What is that? That's thinking, isn't it? And thinking is, is sankara, and we believe on these thoughts, these, these self-views as the kind of the self-criticisms we have about our success or failures in regards to practice or in regards to anything. But the thinking process you can be aware of. It's, it's creative. Thinking is a creation. And so, the first, the first three fetters of the ten fetters, the first three fetters are the fetters that mark stream entry, that, that prevent us from insight into the path prevent uh, samaditi, right understanding. So these three fetters are all uh, human-made fetters. You're not born with thinking, I'm born, I'm somebody, I'm a baby. Isn't that you? acquire that knowledge through, through your mother or father. So a baby doesn't think, doesn't have language, but is still conscious. And that consciousness is, is natural, it's, 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 it's universal, it's not, it's not uh, in, in the baby's body. When the baby's born, It, if it's healthy and alive, then, it, then it's, a, it's the reality of consciousness. But it still doesn't have this sense of a separate self or an identity. So the the jitta, the consciousness is empty. And then it becomes conditioned through. You are a boy, a girl, you are loved, you are, you are not wanted, you are a nuisance, you are the best, most beautiful baby in the whole world, you require, uh, say, the mother's love, attention, nourishment, you, you require her, her kind of uh, views and opinions, impressions, because it doesn't, it, the wisdom faculty has not evolved yet. It has the wisdom of survival. But 
but then it's it's conditioned to through the through the early years of life with the sense of a separate self, an identity, uh, a gender, a nationality, a social position. We get we acquire a sense of our self worth or lack of worth through through the experiences of our early life. We're culturally conditioned. The second better is Sigapata uh, Paramasa, which is uh, conditioning through conventions, through culture, through social uh, conditioning. Then the third better is, is Tao, Vichikija. The Pali word Vichikija means Tao. And that is the result of thinking. When we when we try to solve, try to find answers uh, and solutions through thinking, there's always the result of attachment to thought is doubt. <coughs> so these three factors I found very uh, informative. Because I began to see just by the first feather, Sakyaditi. What is ego? What is a self? In Saki Sambhajanya, there's no self, there's consciousness. Pure consciousness, awareness, discernment. But there's no, there's not. It, what they call the empty consciousness, empty mind, or sunyata vihara, or entirely jitwan, the empty jitta. That's a natural, that's not natural, that's dhamma, that isn't created, that isn't something that you acquire after birth. It's, it's, it's natural. It has to be, you know, the the natural state. And then the conditioning process takes place where we start acquiring discrimination through thinking. This is we're told to act like this. We get rewarded. When we do something, mother doesn't like, we get scolded, we get reward and punishment, we get socially conditioned, culturally identified with what we're told and assumed and, and expected. This is a conditioning process. This is all sankara. But what can be aware of sankara? It's not conditioned. So, Satisampajanya isn't something you create or, or must get, something you are, always, you know, this is always, we're always conscious. And then the fetters is what we grasp. 
we're, we're conditioned to grasp these fetters as our reality, as the real world. And this is what the Four Noble Truths point to, is this grasping of conditioned phenomena, grasping of a view of a separate self, of me and mine, grasping the cultural identities, social identities, grasping the, the emotional experiences uh, as, as me and mine, good or bad, right and wrong. And this is through avicca, not understanding them, not being mindful. Our, our very nature is conditioned you know, we're conditioned to, we're programmed for a separate self, for believing in the uh, cultural conditioning, believing our own thoughts, views, and opinions. And that whole grasping of conditioned phenomena is why we feel separate, isolated, alone, why we frightened, why we fear death, why we worry about ourselves, why, why we're self-conscious. Now we're brought up in societies that tell us how we should be. You know, so, you know, you have uh, the, the, the moral, uh, religious conditioning, uh, the attitudes of parents, of peers, of social groups, ethnic identities, and so forth, that, that we tend to grasp blindly, not, not, not seeing them in terms of what they really are, but in terms of the real world. What is the real world? If there's only a here and now, because that's where experience takes place, it's now. And wherever you are, you're here, and the time is now. So it's not a matter of, of the future or the past anymore, but of awakening. Sati Sambhachanya then is just wake up. Pay attention. No, I've been, uh, you know, exploring the, uh, the thinking process because I, my habit patterns are to wind myself up with thoughts, thinking, trying to think about the Dhamma, trying to analyze it and figure it out with my, with my brain. So I noticed this, that, that, you know, that has a certain value, you know, the, the bariatric dhamma has its, is the first aspect, it's important. That's how we gain interest and faith and determination.
But Mitikincha, or doubt, the third fetter, it always, you're never, you're never, never quite sure whether you're right or wrong, or whether you're misguided, or you, you've got it. Sometimes you really, really understand Dhamma, and then you, but that's Sakyatiti, then you really don't understand it, and that's Sakyatiti, whatever. How you create yourself as someone that understands or doesn't understand? Or how many of you think you're not good meditators? That's a common complaint about, well, I'm not getting anywhere in my practice. I've been a monk for so many years, I've not gotten anywhere with my practice. What is that? In the present moment, I've, I've I'm getting nowhere in my practice. That's the creation of the mind, isn't it? So the encouragement is to be aware of this, to see it in terms of what it is in the present. It is what it is. It's a thought. It's like this. <coughs> Where we tend to believe it, we feel we're getting nowhere in our practice that we're not good meditators. We tend to believe that. And then we, we lose faith, we lose confidence. And that is still a vicha conditioning, creating sankharas, which influence consciousness. So we're conscious, but holding on to fetters that, that consciousness can know itself because we're blinding ourselves with our attachments to sankharas. <coughs> so the second noble truth of letting go is to First, you have to know sankharas. Not think you know them, but they're happening all the time. There's nothing mysterious or mystical about sankharas. The body is a sankhara, the eyes are sankhara, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the emotions are sankharas. The feelings of pleasure, pain, neutral, or sankharas. And Sati Sampachanya is that gate, that door to the deathless, which allows us, is, is the escape hatch, really, the escape route from sankharas by observing them. And, and in the Buddhist teaching, he, he, you know, you really appreciate it over the years that the uh, directness and the clarity of the teaching, because it makes it all so easy for us. By saying all sankharas are impermanent. That thing, that's, that's a brilliant thing to say. All sankharas. Sapay sankara nicha. So, we don't have to figure out whether there's some sankharas that are permanent or not. 
<laughs> Even though sometimes they seem permanent. But that's another creation of the mind. I've got ten cars that are permanent. <laughs> but with the investigation, Dhamma Vijaya, Sati is the first factor of enlightenment, Dhamma Vijaya is the second. What do we do? We investigate. What is a sankara? And through this, this investigation, through Sati Sampachanya and Panya wisdom, began to, to see the, the coarser sankharas, like the physical body is quite obvious, the eye, the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the mental states, happiness, you know, getting what you want is a sankhara, unhappiness is a sankhara, because you're, you're, you're not just quoting Buddha's words, but you're actually investigating, observing, not, not analyzing anymore. It's important to recognize the Buddha never asked why. Why do, you know, why do I get angry? Well, why do I feel greed? Or why am I... Why can't I get samadhi? Why? What's wrong with me? Why? He pointed to the way it is. So, many people say, why do I get angry so easily? How do I get rid of it? It's not why anyone gets angry. Anger is like this. It's impermanent. So you're, you're, you do see the, the wisdom faculty rather than the analytical mind to figure out what's wrong with you and why you, you are the way you are and, and, and you have an idea of what you'd like to become. All that is, is conceptual proliferation. Sanyasankara. So it's quite simple, isn't it? It's, 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 it's not complicated. It's just learning to trust. And the awareness in the present is like this. So even in whatever mood you're in, at the, whatever mood you're, you're observing, if you accept it for what it is rather than react to it, then you begin to See for yourself, it, it, it is what it is. You're not judging it, you're not identifying with it, you're letting it go, and it ceases. So, the identity with emotional habits and that we, that we strongly identify with so many people wonder why they have the problems they have. Why can't I just be content? Why can't I get some money? Why do I feel uh, sad and lonely? Why? Why do I worry so much? 
what's wrong with me? There's all Sakititi Silapata Paramasa Wichitija, the first three fetters. Fetters are what bind you to birth and death, and like manacles. You bind yourself to impermanence, to the very conditions that you, that binding, that grasping of condition phenomena binds you to death, to suffering. So that's um, why the, the, I named the uh, temple here by 1984, Amravati, Deathless Realm. I felt at the time that this is in the 1984, 85, there was a, a kind of panic in, in Britain and in Europe, Germany especially, as the Americans were arming Britain with cruise missiles. And there was a, a lot of peace movements and expectation of war. <coughs> and you talk to young people coming to Amarbati at the time, and they, <coughs> they you know, they, they felt their lives were, had no purpose anymore because we're all going to end up in a Holocaust. Ronald Reagan was president, Maggie Thatcher was prime minister, <laughs> and some of you probably remember Ronald Reagan. <laughs> asked about the Third World War, and he said, well, I expect it will take place in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> so the British, well, they were being deluded. Americans arming them with cruise missiles for a war to take place in Europe. It was like a, an island battleship off the coast of Europe to fight Soviet Union. These are, these are very frightening perceptions, aren't they, to have. And nobody ever talked about the deathless reality, they talked about death, like we're, what's the point of life if it's all going to end up in a nuclear holocaust? They still talk like that in, in politics. This North Korea is trying to get missiles that will nuclear missiles, and so this is, uh, you know, the, the way the world is, it's divided, it's about right, wrong, left and right, it's about extremes. So I learned, I named uh, this, this place, instead of St. Margaret's Buddhist Monastery. <laughs> 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 I, I've come to see about deathlessness. Amaravati, Amara. Ajahn Amaro's name is deathless. So, what is a deathless? And then exploring that, deathlessness, I can't imagine it, because all sankaras are impermanent. That's what I see. 
That's what I hear, smell, taste, touch, think, feel. It's all about birth and death. And everything around me is, is about loss, isn't it? About change. Including the, the physical body and not to mention, you know, the, the fears and threats that, that generate through ignorance in the world scene. So that was realm. So I, I, I'd use the word Amaravati, just say it to myself. And then try to imagine it. You know, there's the sense of like a static kind of heaven where, where you're immortal, like the Greek god Zeus and Hera. They seem to have died out. <laughs> 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 Nobody believes in Zeus and Hera anymore. <laughs> so, so, so it means immortal, deathless. <coughs> but you can't think of deathlessness. I mean, you can think the word. But you can't create anything out of it. You can't get an image or an idea or a feeling. But you can be aware that you don't know. And that's a doubt, which you teach You don't know what that is. Amravati, the deathless realm. Is it a physical place in Arbature or? Is that the deathless realm? It's not the point of naming this Amravati. It's not exaggerating uh, or making the, uh, some kind of statement about the deathless is in the Hertfordshire. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the knowing, isn't it? The awareness. We can, we can describe birth and death in all its variations and sizes and, and qualities, quantities. Then there's the, uh, the, the teaching from the Nirvana Sutra. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, which before I retired to Thailand, I encouraged the Sangha to, to memorize. The unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. You can imagine that. But it's a statement. The Buddha is, is making that, he's not saying, I believe there is a state, or I think there's a realm called the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, or I think there's a, I believe in Amaravati, there's a place of deathlessness. It's not. It's not about supposition. It's a statement. There is. It's a kapati bhikkhu, bhikkhus. So this this word hati is, is a statement of coming from wisdom, not from speculation. 
So it's here and now, isn't it? It's not, it's not about if you behave yourself, you go to Amaravati. Probably hopes when you do come, you behave Now this is just observing, isn't it? It's sati sampatanya. Thinking is a creation. And between thoughts, there's gaps. Between each word, as we begin to just observe, rather than, than grasp, grasp the thoughts, grasp the thinking process. We're not trying to get rid of thinking, but understanding that, you know, that grasping thinking, it only leads to suffering, to dukkha, to the first noble truth. Then in the Nibbana Sutta, that statement is because there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, there is an escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. There is a way. There is escape hatch. There is a way out. One isn't just a victim of the conditioning process. You're not just helpless victims of the way you you, you were conditioned to think and feel and, and believe. Sometimes we feel like it. We feel we're victims of circumstances because we didn't get the best or life hasn't treated us that well. People have not appreciated us and things like this. We feel victimized on a personal level because of the personality is it has no life, no soul to it. Sakyatiti is just an empty phenomenon. You know, it has, it has no, no feeling. It has no soul, no essence. When you really observe Sakyaditi, it's the thinking process that triggers off a sense of separation, self, self-worth, lack of self-worth. So there is an escape from the born, that's, that's conditioned phenomenon, the born, the created, the form, the conditioned, sankharas. And then, because there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, there is the escape from the born, the created, the form, the conditioned. Well, just observing that, in the reality of here and now, the unconditioned is here and now, the unborn, uncreated, unformed. Amaravati, the deathless. So what what can is it something to get? Something you you've got to cultivate and get through hard work and concentration, 
Or is it, if it's here and now, then you've already got it. So this is what the awakening is, the enlightenment, awakening to reality, awakening to Dhamma. So this is like exploring, you know, just investigating, because you can do this. It doesn't take any, you know, you don't have to be, uh, get anything or do anything to get it. It's just learning to, to investigate them. These, these Four Noble Truths are very skillful, skillfully laid out. So to help us, to guide us. Now, having been an obsessed thinker, you know, then of course I was a great doubter. And I had a lot of faith and trust in, in Buddhist teaching. And so that's, that, that is why I'm still a monk, because I, I, you know, the early years I was doubting my ability to do it. Because we tend to put Buddha up on a pedestal, like the, it's the highest position. <laughs> <laughs> Nibbana, what do we do with Nibbana? It's the highest, it's, it's better than heaven. You know, this is the thinking process. The unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned is the highest attainment. This is thinking, isn't it? It's about good, better, best. What is the best? The greatest, the finest, the most perfect. And then it has its opposite, the worst. So is Nibbana the highest, or is it not about being high anymore? It's here and now, isn't it? It's through awareness, through Satisambhatanya. Buddha is here and now, it's not, not, not the state to try to become a Buddha. We, we're not trying to become Buddhists, but being aware, we call it taking refuge in Buddha which is a, a formulation, but it's not taking in some abstract idea of Buddha nature or some, some concept, but in awakening, here and now. So Satisampatanya, Satipanya is the escape hatch. So the escape hatch is, is not something you get tomorrow or in the future without taking a 10 day course in meditation or getting a degree from Oxford University. It's about 
here and now, what is what is it? And so it it's observing bodies like this. One is the most coarse sankara we have to, to live with. The state of mind is like this. The thinking is like this. The way it is. But it's not grasping the words the way it is, it's just a suggestion of learning to be patient, accepting, and, and, and allowing things to be what they are. We're in a form, uh, you know, the monastic form. That's the form we've chosen, say, in the Samana Sangha. Form into Sankara also. So it's not meant to be grasped, but to be used for reflection. It's a skillful means. So there the insight into Rhoda, third noble truth, cessation of suffering. When you're patient and allow things to be as they are, then you, you're aware of the presence and the absence. <laughs> if you don't do that, then you're not aware of the absence of things too. When when there's a when there's some when something Changes, you go on to the next thing. Usually, you know, we're we're caught in desire for happiness or security of some sort. So, when things get boring or or we lose interest in things that aren't so pleasant, we tend to find something to do, something to mean. Go to our iPads. Turn on the switch on the telly. Read books, all kinds of distractions to get away from suffering. So Lumpurja used in Thai they used to talk about Toraman. And um, monastic life was was often and the Western Sangha tend to interpret Toraman, the Thai word as torture. <laughs> so, Lumpur Chak has a reputation as someone who likes to torture his disciples. <laughs> but torture is not what he was doing. <laughs> it was encouraging investigation and patience. To bear with something you don't like, with boredom, with doubt, with restlessness, with with fears, anxieties, we don't want them, you know, but to allow them to be, 
and accept them as they are, then our relationship to them is not grasping. We let go of them. And they all take us to the deathless, to cessation of suffering, which awareness allows us to recognize as the jitta, or consciousness, knows itself. So, for this evening, I, that's enough. Uh, I, my encouragement is for you to, to practice this, to, to investigate. This is an opportunity on this uh, time we call the retreat to do this. And these uh, Dhamma reflections in the evening are meant to be encouragements for all of us.